0: Good to be in church. Praise the Lord. You guys are all right. I like hanging with you guys. I mean, all right in the best possible way. You know that, right? Okay. Um, yeah. What was I? it was just kind of rolling to me too is that, you know, um, we're all overcomers. Do you know that? We're overcomers. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And as we're walking our walk and pressing into Him. Don't be alarmed. Don't be surprised if challenges present themselves to you. You know, and, and sometimes, you know, people are walking along, following God, and they, 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 have, they have trip ups and they fall back. But my good friend Keith Hershey said, don't let a setback make you sit back, but arrange for the comeback. And know that you've been given authority. And You know, don't quit because you face opposition. Do you hear me? Don't quit because something comes into your path. Stand up in the authority that you have and go forward. Go forward. It's just throwing that out. Just whatever, yeah. And, you know, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I always yield to him, too. You know, um, thank God Mary brought up a memory to me today that, you know, you know, it's not that meetings in the past were better than they are now. It's just that I've lived a long time, and I've been in a lot of meetings. And I've been in meetings where people literally rolled down the aisle. And at the same time someone was rolling down the aisle, someone else was crying. At the same time someone was rolling down the aisle and someone was crying, someone else was running laps around the room. I've been in that meeting. I've been that very meeting. I'm thinking of it right now. And, and uh, you know, I've, people are doing all kinds of different things. But the important thing to do in any meeting is to learn to yield to him. And the way you yield might be different than someone else. But it's no less powerful. No, get a hold of God. Get a hold of God. I talk to people, you know, and some people are at different places. But I'll tell you what, whatever it is, man, and, and do this too. Push yourself to go further. Further, farther, whatever what way you want to say it. Don't be, don't be settlers. You know, uh, someone said this once too Achievers for God will always shatter comfort zones. Achievers for God will always shatter comfort zones. So don't get comfortable. Anyway, Smith Wigglesworth, what did he say? something about satisfaction. I'm only satisfied with the dissatisfaction to want more. You know, I, that's how I picture him saying it. You know, but anyway, you know, um, sometimes when you're in a service, and the Holy Ghost is moving. Sometimes you just need to breathe them in, breathe them in, let him do a work in you, let him do a spiritual surgery on you. He'll work on things on the inside of you. Do you know that? Is that okay? Am I meddling with people? (laughs) It's just the truth. It's the truth. I tell you, I've been in some meetings that were totally Holy Ghost stem winders. If you don't know what a stem winder is, eh, figure it out. Google it. Um, You know, and, and I've sat there and I thought, well, I don't know if I got anything. And then I got out to my car. My goodness, I was so loaded, I couldn't hardly drive. You know? It just all of a sudden hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, Dana, where do we got to go? You know? And, and, <laughs> you know? But God is real. The Spirit of God is real. He's moving. He's doing things in your heart. Don't, don't belittle what he's doing in you. Okay? All right. That's enough of that for now. All right. Can you say ready? Ready. Ready. Hey. All right. So we're going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about something that I don't typically talk about. In fact, I don't know. Maybe I've never talked about it. But, you know, I was minding my own business maybe three, four weeks ago, and this scripture came to me. Do you ever have that happen where a scripture comes to you and you don't really know where it is, but you know it's in the Bible somewhere? So I'll tell you what I did. You know, I'd like to say, well, I prayed in the Holy Ghost till the Spirit of God brought the reference to me, but I didn't do that. I Googled it. Okay. Sometimes Google's all right. Sometimes. Anyway, uh, so I Googled it because I knew enough words in it that I knew I could find it. That's what we in the old days. What we used to do is we look, looked them up in a Strong's Concordance. You know, it was about that thick. And but anyway, nowadays I Google it. So it was in First John three. And it's verses 1 through 3. Can I just read it to you? It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. You know, the world isn't always going to get you. Okay? It's not always going to get you, but that's okay. I'm not telling you to go be weird so that they don't get you. But I'm telling you, live your life and be on fire for God and don't worry about it. Okay? Anyway, beloved, it's talking to us. He says, now our, we are the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we'll see him as he is. Can I say this? There's more to come. There's more to come in our lives. There's great days ahead. Great days ahead. And here's verse 3. This is the part that came to me, believe it or not. It says, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Isn't that something? That's the only part that came to me. The part that says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So I'll tell you, I'll ramble for a minute. Um, I think it's a day we live in that we want to live ready. We want to be pure as he's pure. We want to purify ourselves. You know, some things you've got to do yourself. This says he who has this hope within him purifies himself just as he is pure. Pure. So, you know, I, I wanted to read the context of it, and what I saw in it is two things, and I'll hit on both of them, one more than the other. What I saw, first of all, is, is this, this awareness that we need to have of God's love for us. Could you say amen to that? Amen. God loves you today. Do you hear me? You know, whatever you thought about yourself, you know, our, you know we, we, can, we can beat ourselves up so quickly. Sometimes you don't even need a devil. You'll beat yourself up. Huh. God loves you. God's for you. He loves you. So the first thing I see is that God loves us. I'll come back to that in a minute. But the second thing that, that I was reading, it says, as we see him, see him, when we see him, you know, we'll be like him, for he will see him as he is. You know what I'm thinking about when I read that? I'm thinking about Jesus coming. And then I start thinking, you know, I remember when I got born again, and I think maybe every generation goes through this maybe, and I just happened to come into the, the kingdom at a time when it was, was like everywhere, is there was a lot of talk about Jesus coming back. There was a lot of talk about the rapture. I'm telling you, you know, I got born again, and there's all these movies. I'm not real, uh, nobody throw anything, but I'm not real big on Christian movies Okay, I'm for him. I'm not anyway. But I saw every one of them back then and there was a lot of them about the end days and some of them were trying to, you know, put the fear of God in you, but I tell you one thing it did is it made you want to live right. It made you because you didn't want to be doing something stupid when Jesus came. You know? You're walking around, you're like, Praise the Lord, I want to do your will. I mean the the, the fact that Jesus was coming was so real to me when I went to Bible school because I had this teacher, Bob Yandian, that taught about it. And I was like, Why, I just I wanted to quit school on at that moment and just go out and start getting people saved, you know? And I would have been working in my flesh and God had to talk to me. And he did that when I was on a walk one night and he says, Paul, the most important thing that you be doing when I come back is doing what I told you to do. And right now I told you to be in school. So I said, all right. So I finished. Anyway, so you know, I mean, don't, don't let end-time messages put you in a place of fear and anxiety. Can I be real with you? Messages about Jesus coming ought to excite you. They ought to instill faith in you. They ought to not put fear like, oh, no, am I going to miss the boat? No. They ought to bring comfort to your heart and realize there's more to come. All right, so I said there's two things. There's knowing uh, the great love that God has for us. You know, let your life be built on relationship and not legalism. Can I say that? It's okay? Hear me read you a few scriptures here. Well, maybe I'll talk for a minute. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, nobody's perfect, but I know we did our best when we were raising our kids to build Relationship you know, to make relationship more important than the rules, okay? It's not that we didn't have rules, because we did. Kara, we had rules, didn't we? A couple of them, yeah. Anyway, but, uh, but we, we did our best to just develop relationship. And, you know, you can tell when, you, when you're around somebody all the time if there's walls up. You know what I mean? You know, sometimes all you have to do is touch someone, And you can sense that there's walls. And so Dana and I, we had this thing that if we sensed walls up, we did our best to get the walls down. That was our number one goal. If we sensed, do you you know what I'm saying when I say that? Here's the deal, you know, somebody's got a wall up, you go and you put your hand on them, what happens? They They become stiff or something, you know? A lot of times I would touch my kids just to see if there was a wall up. Now you know, Kara. Anyway, but, but, and if there was, then we made it our goal to, to find a way to tear that wall down, okay? So build on relationship, even when it comes with God. I mean, you know, know that he loves you so much. Now, that doesn't give you a license to go sin and do stupid things. What it does is it gives you freedom to, to walk with him, okay, to approach him at any time. You know, my dad, you know, I don't, I, 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 he was a good dad, I was a bad kid, but he was a good dad. And one thing I knew about my dad, if I did something totally stupid, and believe me, I proved this out, I could call him, and he'd come, come to my rescue. He wouldn't come to, to beat me up or to say, Ugh. He'd come to help me. God's like that. God is like that. He'll come to your rescue if you do something wrong, and he'll help you, put you on the right path. Are you out there today? 1 John 4.10, it says, And this is love, not that we loved God. You know what? We should love God. But here's the deal. We love Him because He loved us. That He loved us and sent His Son to be, be the propitiation of our sin. Thank God I could fall in back on His love. I, 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 I know that's, you know, I say this all the time when I tell my testimony. I just told it this week to a group of people. You know, is that one of the first things that God ever told me as a new believer, I'm talking newbie. I'm talking the night of, you know, sitting in the car with my friends. It just rose up out of my heart out of nowhere because I didn't know these Bible verses or anything. It just came up and said God, I, that, that God loved me. And I was like overwhelmed by that. I was like, wow, that is real. God loves me. And that was a foreign thought to my mind up until that time. I didn't go around thinking God loves you. Are you kidding me? I didn't, that thought, I don't know if it ever came into my mind. Unless someone you know, said something and I don't think I received it. I probably rejected it. But I knew from the inside out that God loved me. I'm telling you, that is foundational. Um, Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. I'm just going to read this. I'm not going to spend as much time on this, even though this is love church. But it's, it's, it's so important to know that you're loved by God. Paul said this, he prayed this, he says, this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through your, his Spirit in your inner man, that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, if Pastor Stephen was preaching right now, he would have highlighted those words. And let's, So let's say them together. Say, being rooted and grounded in love. Say it again. Being rooted and grounded in love. What are you rooted and grounded in today, folks? Love. 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 That's what Paul prayed. He said, said church. Church, this is where you need to sink your roots down. This is the foundation you need to stand on. Not what you've done, but what Jesus has done. Not that you love him, but that he loves you. So good. It says, It may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which will blow your mind, that you'd be filled with all the fullness of God. Here's the message, Bible says so I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the, extra, the extravagant dimension of Christ's love. Isn't that something? That's amazing. Both feet planted firmly in love. That folks, will give you the freedom to live pure, knowing that he loves you. Now, has anybody heard John 3:16? If you haven't, it says, for God's so, and in my Bible, what I would do is write down so with about five or six O's. He so loves the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world that the world through him might be saved. Jesus didn't come. God didn't send Jesus to come and condemn you. He, came to send, he sent him to show you his love for you, to make the way for you. All right, I'm going to move into the next point. Jesus is coming again. Do you hear me? Jesus is coming again. Oh, I've heard this forever. Jesus is coming again. I was thinking this morning, I was talking to Jason, and I was just thinking about how, how, how I think there's going to come a day when we're going to look back at days like this and just realize, my goodness, it was a snap, and Jesus was here. It was a snap. This life is like a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. But I'll tell you what, eternity goes on and on. We'll look back. I know these are deep things, right? But we'll look back, and we'll say, wow, wow. Did I live my life with purpose? Did I live my life fulfilling what God called me to do? See, these are things, these are hopes that purify you. These are hopes that make you go, wow, it's not just about this world that I'm seeing all around me. It's about eternity. I want to live with a knowing and expectation That Jesus is coming. Now, I'm going to quote my former boss, Billy Graham. And he said this once he says, I live, I plan my future like Jesus isn't coming for at least a hundred years, but I live my days like he's coming today. So just because, you know, don't get in some weird place that, oh, Jesus is coming every, any minute. I'm going to go charge $10,000 on my credit. No, that isn't what I'm talking about, folks. I'm not talking about being dumb. I'm talking about living with purpose. I'm talking about living with hope. I'm talking about purifying ourselves. Is that okay to talk about in a church like this? So, I, again, my uh, I'll say this. I'm not an expert in eschatology. You know, you probably know that if you've been here for a while. I appreciate eschatology. Do you know what eschatology is? It's people that study about Jesus coming again, the end times and all that. I, I dig it. There's certain people I listen to that I feel are gifted and anointed to teach on it. My lane is more who we are in christ my lane is more applying the word to everyday life my my lane is more being led by the spirit of god holy holy spirit holy ghost all that stuff that's more the lane i like to live in but again minding my own business god drops this verse in my heart doesn't tell me the reference have to google it but he knows he'll do that and and uh and, you know, Dana's expert at that. She'll, she'll come home sometimes she'll say, Paul, where's this verse in the Bible? You know, she's driving down, you know. It's amazing the things she's encountered driving her car or our car. And uh, she's, she's uh, this verse just dropped in me. Where is this? And, you know, we have to look it up. We have to look it up. So God gives me this verse, you know, about, about purifying yourself. How do you do that? Well, what, who's, who are the people that do that? What's the hope? that we're talking about, that causes us to purify ourselves and live holy? Well, I believe it's that God loves us, that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming again. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I probably have a lot of verses. We'll see how it goes here. 1 Corinthians 15, 52, it says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immor- immortality." You know, I did a funeral once at the graveside, and I said, this, this uh, mortal must put on immorality. Anyway, <laughs> hardly anybody caught it, but I did. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> anyway, God bless them. Uh, for when this corrupt, corruption, corruptible is put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then, then uh, shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. All right, we're not afraid of death. There's victory ahead for us. So, okay, let me say this. There's different beliefs on the coming of the Lord, okay? There's different beliefs about, you know, uh, the rapture, things like that. Don't ever let that be a point of contention because to be honest with you, I could be wrong okay and I'm gonna talk today about what I believe you know and if you don't agree with me well I'm gonna still love you and I ask that you'd love me okay that all right you know there's just some things that that you know I think you know like the Corinthian Church got tripped up in some of that I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos come on guys we just need to grow up beyond that stage you know somebody can disagree with me you know there's some things that don't really matter what you believe not everything there's some things that totally matter what you believe. But you know, you can mean you can believe the moon is made of green cheese and you can go to heaven. Not Limburger though. Anyway. Uh, all right. One thing we do agree on is Jesus is coming again. And and I'll say this, I'm a bit cautious about people giving specific dates. Again, because I've lived for a while, and I've seen it happen. I've seen, I've seen a book come out, I forget if it was in 1987 or the beginning of 1988, but it was 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 88. And you know, God bless whoever wrote that, but I can't even remember his name now, and nobody ever heard of him again after 1989, okay? And I'm not saying he wasn't a godly man, I'm not saying he wasn't a Christian, none of that stuff. Probably has a lot of good things to say, but I'm telling you, that can ruin your reputation. If you go off too far, and I don't think people just know the exact day, but what I do believe is we know a season. I believe we can be wise and know a season is coming. OK? Is that OK? All right, um, Just I actually do have notes here I'm looking at, because I want to make sure. All right, I think there's two events coming up. This is me again. This is what I believe. I believe there's two events coming up, and one of them is the rapture of the church, and then the other one is the second coming of Jesus, okay? These are two different things. If you want to find out about the second coming of Jesus, now this isn't all, but you'll find it in the Gospels. My opinion, again, I'm going to probably say that a bunch today, my opinion is, is that the Gospels don't address the rapture of the church, Okay? I believe there, there, Jesus was talking to people, primarily the Jewish people. He wasn't talking to the church. And the rapture of the church has to do with what they call the mystery, which is the church age, it, which is where you and I live. You don't find things about the rapture of the church to get into the epistles. Does that make sense? All right, again, that's just how I see it. Sometimes you just got to go with where, where you see it. So um, I'm going to just talk about a few different raptures. People, people hear that word rapture and they think, is that even biblical? Well, I don't know if you're going to find it in the King James Bible, but you'll find examples of rapture throughout the Bible. Okay? The first one is, is Enoch in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. It says this, that by faith... Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and he was not found because God had taken him for before he had had taken uh, he was taken he had this testimony that he pleased God then if you read it in Genesis five twenty-four, it just says simply this Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him isn't that amazing Wow, that's, talk, that's getting really far out in your prayer, prayer time, guys, you know. You just get so far out with God that, that it's closer to go to his house, so he takes you home rather than going to your old house. It's, a, it's amazing. It was a rapture. It was a rapture. One minute Enoch was there, next minute he went to heaven. Okay, this is, this is a biblical example of what I'm talking about today. Here's another one. Did you ever, anybody hear of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet. You know, do you ever get your Elijah's and your Elisha's mixed up? I have, okay? But Elijah came first, and Elisha came second. You want to know my key for remembering it? I know the alphabet. J, Elijah, J comes before S. Elijah, Elisha. Elisha came after Elijah. Okay, that wasn't too spiritual, but that's how I do it. Okay? 2 Kings chapter 2. Verse one. I'm going to read this. whole. This is such a cool story. I was going to just take one verse, but can I just read the, the kind of the story leading up to it? It says, it came to pass that when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind. Wow. Now that's dramatic. That Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. And Elijah said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I'll not leave you. So they went down. Now, this took some spiritual oomph to say that. Because Elijah was the man of God in that day. I mean, he was, he was somebody that God used in such a mighty way. And here's this young upcoming prophet. And he says, I'm not staying there. I'm going with you. You hear me? He had some spunk. I like that. I like spunk. Anyway, most of the time. Anyway, as the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I'll not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Now the sons of the prophet who were at Bethel came to Elijah and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over over you today? He said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elijah, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I'll not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elijah and said to him, "Do you know that today the, the do you know that the Lord will take away your master from you over you today?" And he answered, "Yes, I know. Keep silent." Then Elijah said to him, "Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent, sent me on to the to the Jordan." But he said, "As the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, I'll not leave you." So the two of them went on. And 50 men of the sons of prophets went and stood, facing them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Now Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, and struck the water. This is so cool. I mean, can you imagine seeing this? I mean, Elijah took a mantle and rolled it up and struck the water, and it was divided this way and that. So the two of them crossed over on dry ground. So it was that when they crossed over, that Elijah said to Elijah, Ask what, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you. Elijah said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. My goodness, I tell you, that took some tenacity, didn't it? But he wasn't giving up. Sometimes, you know, when you walk with God, you just can't give up. You know? You got to just keep pressing. Pressing, pressing, pressing to get, get what it is that you need. He says, uh, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it, it shall be so. If not, it shall not be so. Then it happened. As they continued on and talked, that suddenly, can you say suddenly? suddenly? A chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire, and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it. Wow. That's amazing. You think he ever forgot that? That image? Wow. He cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them into two pieces. And he took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. And he went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen upon him. And he struck the water. And he said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over. I'll tell you, that, that's epic. That's epic. What a way to come back and talk to the 50 sons of the prophets. (laughs) Whoa. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about raptures in the Bible. All right. This isn't just some new concept that, that, you know, the New Testament church dreamed up or, you know, happened in, you know, the 1900s. They started thinking about this. This is something that goes back to Genesis, folks. Okay. So Jesus is the next one we'll talk about in Acts 1. Verse 9 through 11, says, And when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Okay, so... They said, hey, just the same way you just saw it, Jesus going. That's how he's coming again. Folks, Jesus is coming again, okay? Jesus is going to touch base on planet earth again. But what I would say, and this is what I believe, I believe the rapture comes before Jesus' second coming, okay? This is me. Now, if we sit here and we see Jesus come again, I'm going to say, hey, I was wrong, but I want to go. I'm going with you, buddy. (laughs) I want it all. All right. I like that that it says that they watched him go. You know, Elisha watched Elijah go. I don't know if anybody saw Enoch go. You know, it doesn't doesn't really say that I can remember that anybody did, but here these people saw him go. That paints a picture to me. What's the rapture going to be like? What are people on earth going to be like when this event takes place? Revelation chapter 11, I'm going to jump ahead and read this one. There's two, two witnesses in this tribulation time that are raptured from the earth. Now, there's, there's controversy over who the two witnesses are. I'm not trying to get into that today. A lot of people think that it was um, Elijah and Enoch. Other people think it was Elijah and Moses. And there's probably good arguments for both. But uh, whoever they are, there's two witnesses that are on the earth during the tribulation time that are an actual, a real pain to the Antichrist, okay? And um, let me just read it here. Revelation chapter 11, verse 3. It says, I'll give power to my two witnesses, and they'll prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloths, cloth. Uh, These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. This is interesting, huh? I mean, tell you, you can't make this stuff up. The Bible is dramatic. Can you believe this? This is wild. Um, Fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. They have the power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have the power over the water to turn them into blood, to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. And when they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually uh, called Sodom in Egypt, which, where also our Lord was crucified, then those uh, from, the people, from the people, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their bodies to be put in graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and send gifts to one another because the two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Now after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered into them. They stood on their feet and great fear fell upon all those who saw them. I mean, can you imagine that? And uh, when they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. So there again is another rapture. The two witnesses are raptured up into heaven, and uh, it was a pretty dramatic sight. You guys out there today? Is it okay we talk about this stuff? You know, what are we talking about it for? I'm stirring us up because the days we live in, I'm telling you, we need to walk Holy, we need to walk pure. And one way to do it is to know that God loves you intensely. And live with the expectancy that I'm telling you what, there's more ahead and Jesus is coming soon. Amen? Amen. This is the purpose this morning. I'm not just trying to show eschatology skills because, frankly, I don't have too many. But I do have a few beliefs that I've picked up over the years and I'm just sharing you with what what I believe. Now, the other one I'm going to talk about just briefly and uh, is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It's the rapture of the church age saints. But I do not want you to be, it says in verse 13, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede proceed those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. That's the the key phrase here. They'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. All right, let me just stop for a moment. I'm going to keep reading, but I'll just say this. The second coming of Jesus, Jesus actually comes to earth, okay? Okay. He steps foot on, on, on earth. In this particular event, it says we're caught up and we meet the Lord in the air. Again, how cool is that? You know, I was flying this week and I was just kind of, you know, I was just looking out the window. I usually don't even get the window seat. Dana usually gets that, but she didn't come with me on this trip. I was just looking out at the clouds and they were just amazing me. They just were just, they went as far as I could see. And just the, the, really the majesty of it. God's creation is absolutely amazing. But there's coming a day we're going to meet him in the air. And we won't even need an airplane. True asked me when I came up to him on Saturday, Pops, how was the airplane? That's what he wanted to know. There's coming a day we won't need an airplane. Whoa! Tell you how that is. It says, therefore, we'll always... And there, the, thus we shall always be with the Lord as I finish that verse. And then the next verse, I love this. It says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort. See, talking about Jesus coming again, talking about, you know, the rapture of the church, talking about the end days, there's a comfort. There's a comfort because we know there's more to come. We know that heaven is real. Jesus is real. Now, let me just bring this up. Well, again, I wrote this down too, that as we, we rise up to meet him in the air, the thing that happens is we're changed you know mid-flight on our way up. We take on our heavenly bodies. Heavenly bodies are so cool too. I mean they walk through walls, do stuff like that. I'm, I'm gonna just do that, man, when I get my heavenly body, walk through a few walls. Whoa! Did you see that? <sighs> anyway. They, you know, and, and we'll know each other. We'll know each other in heaven. You know that? Isn't that amazing? We're not going to be just a bunch of blobs floating around, you know. Uh, who's that mysterious looking creature? We'll know each other. You know, example, you know, this isn't in my notes, but but when Peter, James, and John went with Jesus on what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, and while they're there praying, it says, who was it? Was it Moses and Elijah appeared, to you know, before, you know with Jesus there? I mean, wow, what a wild prayer time. And Peter, James, and John, they instantly knew who Moses and Elijah were. You know, they'd never met him before. They'd been dead for years before they were ever born. But they knew it right away. We'll have a knowing. We'll know people in heaven. We'll see people. We'll see, we'll see the Apostle Paul. We'll say, hey, wow, I read your letters. They were amazing. They helped me so much as I walked, you know, my, 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 my life out on earth. You know, we'll see Moses you know, I don't know if he looks like Charlton Heston or not, but I tell you what, when we see him up there, we will know him. We'll know each other. We'll know relatives. We'll know, we'll, you know, sometimes you ever have trouble remembering people's names? I'm telling you, sometimes I have to really work at it sometimes. We're going to know people's names, Max. We'll know each other, you know? It'll be cool. And, and oh, man. See, this excites you. So in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, Now, if you read the book of Revelation, and I'm currently reading it. I haven't read it in a while, and it's kind of fun to read through, especially if you read through and you don't take the pressure that you got to figure everything out and know everything, you know. Just let the Holy Ghost show you things. But I know when I was reading the first three chapters, the one thing that stood out to me is that John was on the Isle of Patmos and, and had been exiled there, and and, you know, he, there's all kinds of things we could say about it, but he was in the spirit on the Lord's day and has this divine visitation from Jesus, you know, and he sees Jesus and he falls at his feet, and, you know, and, and, and all this stuff happens and Jesus starts talking to him and telling him things that must come to pass on the earth and, 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 and gives them these wild things that that you can't even describe and that's where we get into trouble sometimes is because trying to put heavenly things into earthly mindsets I mean it can it can cause some error it can cause like I don't understand it I don't know what that thing was even and but we're going to know one day it's going to make sense but what really kind of hit me the first thing that really struck me when I was reading the book of revelation this time is that the first thing Jesus does is he starts talking to John about the churches that are on the earth. Before he starts talking about the second coming and the, the, the two witnesses and, you know, the Antichrist and all that stuff. He starts bringing a message to the church. And that tells me that in this day, God's still talking to the church. He has a message for us today. And, and, and so then in Revelation chapter 4, it's, it, it, this, this is so cool too. says, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. John, again, he's on, on the Isle of Patmos. He's in the spirit and Jesus is talking to him. And he says, I looked and there was a door opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was this, if it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I'll show you things that must be hereafter. My opinion, again, again, I'm not an eschatology expert or anything. To me, that's the rapture. Because as I read through the rest of the book of Revelation, I don't find any more messages that are coming down for the church of the day. I think we leave at this point. And I believe that you, you read the rest of chapter 4. It's beautiful. It's hanging out before the throne. But I, I believe that's, that's what it's going to be. Is We're going to be caught up with him. And we're going to walk through that door that's opened. And I tell you, there's a voice that was sounded like a trumpet. Kind of sounds like the verses we just read in the epistles here of Paul. So... Let me read it. Let me give you a couple others. You okay? Can I keep going for just five more minutes? Anybody give me five more minutes? Yeah. Five, 10, 15, 20. Okay. All right. Noah. Noah is not a rapture with Noah. But just, this is just, again, how I see God dealing with his people, with the righteous. And there's other examples, but Noah is the one I'm going to give right now. So Noah is a righteous man. God tells him to build an ark. 120 years he spends building an ark. I tell you, you know, sometimes we get all upset and we say, well, God told me to do something. You know, it's been five weeks and I haven't seen anything happen. I tell you, God bless you, Noah. He held on to the word of God, held on to the vision that God had given him. And, and so God, let me just, this is, this is just real, this is me talking here. God takes the righteous people of the earth, puts them in the ark, shuts the door, the chaos begins. What happens to the people of God? Well, they're lifted up above the chaos. We meet the Lord in the air. There should we ever be with him. Anyway, all right, just the just thought, okay? What do you believe, Pastor Paul? Well, I believe there's two events coming up. I believe there's a rapture of the church, and I believe there's a second coming of Christ. Both are epic, but what I want you to know today is Jesus is coming soon. Live ready. Live ready. Don't get boggled down by, oh, I don't agree with that guy. That's that's the stuff that's like weights that you need to shake off because they'll keep you from running your race with the speed that God wants you to run them in. Tell you it's all right to have an opinion, it's alright to, you know, try to figure this out, but don't let it be a point of contention. Believe in Jesus. Believe He loves you. Believe He's coming again. Live holy. Purify yourself because we have a hope before us. Colossians 3, verse 1 through 4. says, If you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears... Then you'll appear with him in glory. I tell you what, this is again what I believe. I believe when Jesus comes back the second time, we'll be with him. We'll be riding some white horses. You know, Dane and I don't do much horse riding. We've tried a few times, and I've had experiences I won't go into. God bless you, Marcia. I love horses. I think they're cool. And when you do have a good experience, it's amazing. But I tell you what, we'll be riding some horses. We're coming with Jesus. I, I believe they're white horses. We'll be riding. Sailing through the air, I mean, what kind of horse is that that can sail through the air? Anyway, we'll be doing that stuff. Keep look, I wrote this in my notes. Keep looking up. I have this uncle who's in heaven, and he used to be a radio preacher. And <laughs> I remember when I first met Dana and we were talking, she says, "That's your uncle because he's listening to his program. I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's him. I and mean, at the end of every show, he'd say this, he'd say, "Keep looking up." And he'd say it just like that. Everybody in the family does the imitations of, of Uncle Joe. Keep looking up. And he'd say that every single service. But I tell you what, I appreciate that. Live our lives. Keep looking up. Looking for the return of Jesus. Looking for what's ahead of us. Last scripture, Titus 2, 11 through 14. It says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness in worldly lusts we should live soberly, righteously, godly in this present age looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works isn't that good you're a special people God has his hand on he has purpose for you you know don't get into legalism but allow his love to set you free in every area and go farther and further with him every day you live Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope that it was a blessing to you. However you tuned in today, why don't you subscribe and maybe share with a friend. Yeah, and if you're in the area, we would love to have you join us in person Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. right here in Menominee, Wisconsin. Also, we would be honored if you would consider partnering with us financially to help make this all possible. And you can do that at wearelovechurch.com. These are great days to be alive. Thanks for tuning in today. God bless you. We love you. See ya.